Well, it's good to be together. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everyone. What's that? It sounds like it's on. Is it on? Okay, yeah, I thought it was on. All right, well, it's good to be together with everyone. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I'm excited that my parents are in town this weekend from Florida. And uh, we're happy to have them up here. Hopefully you got to see loved ones during the holidays. And, and uh, we had a great uh, feast. And a lot of uh, we are amazed every year at, ho- at the holidays you get surprised by something, don't you? And I was amazed at the open conversation at our dinner table. A lot of times it it's, can be a little bit on the shallow side. I don't know how your family is, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, People kind of like competing to make sure that their year sounds better than someone else's year or whatever. Uh, uh, but, you know, it was encouraging just to see, wow, people really getting honest and getting real at the table. There were tears. And, uh, it, you know, we I didn't really know what to do uh, as that was happening. But, uh, you know, God surprises us, and, and we had a great time together. Hopefully you uh, did as well. You, you maybe had some surprises uh, we're happy to be together with our church family, though. We really uh, love and enjoy everyone here. Uh, as we get started here, I wanted to show you the picture of the Tecate crew. Mexicali. I call them Tecate uh, before, but Mexicali crew. And it was amazing. We got really bonded when you put a bunch of people in a car together and just send them off for the day. It's amazing how bonding you can get. Uh, as I shared last week, we got to the uh, the, the group home and... We were going to go out to a park, and there's no permission slips. There's nothing. They just said, okay, you want to take them? Okay, take them. So we just <laughs> took all the kids away. Like 12 of them jumped in the back of a pickup truck, and we drove through the city, and you know, and I'm back there with them just praying the whole time, God, help us not to die on this time. And we got to the got to the uh, the playground area, and it is the most unsafe playground ever, man. <laughs> They're climbing on top of like a ten foot structure on top of the jungle gyms, and I'm just like, what am I going to do? I can't control like twelve kids. We're trying to. <laughs> we all made it out of there alive, and we felt bonded at the end of it. It was pretty incredible, uh, you know. Um, but I wanted to thank everyone that went with us and those of you who helped out with uh, giving money and everything to be able to buy them groceries and fill up their propane tanks. It was super uh, encouraging. We hope to do that every couple months. So if you missed out this time, hopefully you can go next time. Uh, especially Spanish speakers uh, are, are requested, obviously, the, to be able to converse and everything. I, I wasn't a whole lot of good, but I could just smile and, and have a good time. <laughs> Uh, and then last Wednesday, uh, last Sunday, for those of you who weren't here, we got to see uh, Ron Carver get baptized there. And see, I didn't see him today. He was here. Is he here today? Where is he? Okay, Ron, stand up, Ron. Stand up, Ron. Hey, Ron. And uh, it was so encouraging to have the whole family there and uh, really proud of him for his uh, faith and stepping out on faith there and and for his boys uh, leading the way uh, in a great way. So uh, thank you for all that uh, loved up on them and they really become a great part of the church here the last few years. So congratulations, Ron. Uh, let's say a prayer here and then we're going to get started. We're going to talk about the mentor today as one of our seven people to help us get to heaven. 
Uh, Father, we do thank you so much for this time. We need you. Uh, lead us with your spirit, God, I pray, in the next few minutes that you open up your word, that you help us to think about our lives, to our walk with you, God, that you lead us and guide us where you want us to be. God, I pray you get me out of the way so that I can speak your words. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the fifth in our series, and we're talking about how we need a mentor to help us to get to heaven, someone that we look up to, someone that can guide us and encourage us and help us. And last week, we talked about having an advisor, and it's similar to an advisor, but we're going to call it also a role model and more of a relationship. You know, you can go and get advice from people, but to have a mentor, someone that you're in contact with, that there's a friendship. And point number one is... To live life together. Live life together. You know, that's what Jesus did. He didn't just come and give them a few teachings on some tablets. God already did that. He came to live with them so they could see what life with Christ looks like. To see how to live. To see uh, what, what God thinks and how he feels and how he walks on this earth. That there's no lone wolf disciples. Right. You know, that we're not created to live by ourselves. You know, in a group this size, probably at least half of us are wired that way where we tend to recharge when we're alone. You know, I don't know if you're that way, but I'm that way. This is the the fight of our Christian life is to live life together, to humble ourselves, to realize, you know what, I can't do it on my own that God created this church and his followers to be able to help us and for you to be able to help. And my prayer, even as we talk today, is you think about who are the people in your life that you go to for help and guidance and assistance? Who are the friends that you looked up to in different ways that help you along? And also, who are some people that you can help along the way? Because I believe it's like a big chain that we're trying to help others as We're pulled along by other people and their faith. And point number one is live life together. We're going to see Jesus. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. I don't know if you've ever spent a whole night praying to God. I think I've done it a couple times, and it was a very important decision. You know, it's like, who am I, you know, before I got engaged, that was one of the times. I'm like, God, I want to be sure. I want to know that this is going to work. You know, but Jesus was already started his ministry. He already offended people because he went against the traditions of the day. He already was on notice politically because people wanted to rise up and make him king, even from the very beginning. And he was around crowds that were often unspiritual and fickle. That one minute they loved him, and the next minute they wanted to kill him. That one, they, they wanted to learn from him, and really they wanted to have a meal together. So he's trying to teach them, but they're just trying to eat. You know, so Jesus was out praying, and it says, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, to whom he designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Imagine what it was like to be chosen by Jesus to walk with him. 
that he called them by name. And yet in so many ways, he's called each of you by name as well. That he hasn't called you personally, but he has called you through his disciples and through his followers to be a learner, to be a student, to be like one of the first century disciples. Can you imagine if Jesus called them by name and they said no? Right. Sorry, Jesus, I'm good. You know, I'd rather fish than hang out with you. I really apologize. You know, but there's a there's a relationship that they had to enter into Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus seeking them. It was them accepting the friendship. Them accepting and deciding, I, I'm going to live with you, Jesus. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. That even now, as we talk about mentorship, that there's two sides to it. That it has to be someone that's willing to share, and there's got to be someone that's willing to accept. And I pray that you are willing to live and, and learn from one another. That they got to see the good, the bad, the ugly, that it all came out. You know, there's a little fear when you think about that, right? I mean, it's easy to kind of put on a show at church, right? You see people a little bit, you talk about some positive things that are going on, and you get in your car and you go home and you're like, oh man, I made it. I survived. I didn't have to get honest. I didn't, you know, it wasn't emotional. It was just like, okay, I'm good. And yet to truly be mentored by Jesus, you got to be willing for him and others to see all sides of us so that we can grow and we can learn. You know, but when I think about being a mentor or mentoring someone, the first thing that I think about is time. You know, that God has given us only a certain amount of time. How many hours in a week? 128 hours a week, right? You can't create hours. So many of us, when we think about spending time with one another, learning from one another, the challenge can be, I don't think I have time for that. I'm pretty busy. I mean, you don't know my schedule. I got a lot going on. I think the question that Jesus was asking wasn't if they had enough time. It was, did they really want to learn? Do they have a desire to grow? Are they focused in their walk with God? Or do they just want a little bit of attention from Jesus? Or do they want him really to refine their heart? That he wants to walk with you. Maybe you're waiting for someone in the church to set up a relationship for you. You know, can you please, you know, maybe we could put all the mentors over here and all the mentees and we'll have like a, some kind of, uh, what do they call those? Speed mentoring, you know, we'll kind of like ask a few questions. Ah, no, that's not the good one for me. I don't think that's how it worked. I don't think they were looking to, okay, Jesus, can you set it up for me? That it was a desire that they already had. Right. That the desire, my prayer is that through this series, that the desire, you're not looking for someone else to come to you, that there'll be a desire within your heart that, man, I want to search someone out. I want to, I want to learn. I want to grow. And I believe when we have that heart that we will be able to grow from the people that God has already put in our lives. There's so many capable, faithful people who have been through so much, even in this room as I look out. Let's decide, I want to live life together with each other. I want to do life together with God along the the, the journey that we're on. Uh, Turn over to Luke chapter 9. We're going to go to point number 2 here. 
When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave the town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went to the vi- went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Point number two, they decided to serve together. Amen. That they didn't just, as much as we love getting together and talking at Starbucks and sharing and everything, that they actually were on a mission together. That they, that he sent them out, he called them to them, and he delegated the work that God had given to them. But he also equipped them to do the work. You know, God doesn't just send us out blindly, but he equips us with the power, with the love, with the spirit to be able to fulfill his role in this world and the role that he has for each of us. That they were united in purpose. Imagine that, driving out demons. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Somebody comes with a demon and just say, in the name of Jesus, get out! And just have them go, leave. To be able to go around and heal people's sicknesses. Amen. Amen. Man, what would I give to, for that gift today, right? Yeah. To be able to preach about the, the coming of the Messiah and the kingdom and that he's coming and he's coming soon. To be able to tell them that the kingdom's not what you think it is. It's one in the heart. That those on the, involved in his community are those who repent and believe and decide to live their life and follow Jesus. It was a simple calling. Just go from village to village and tell them that I am coming. Don't take anything with you. I don't know what you, about you, but when I hear that, that, that's pretty terrifying. So don't go with any food, no money, no no, no extra shirt. You don't know where you're going to go. There's no. The only plan is you go and you talk about Jesus. And you go and you don't know where you're going to get your next meal. That's pretty scary, isn't it? God was putting them out there outside of their comfort zone so that they would live by faith. I think that If Jesus was here in America, that would probably be our biggest challenge. To get outside of our comfort zone so that we're truly living by faith. We're truly trusting God for our next meal, for our next conversation, for our next job, for whatever it is to have that kind of simplicity in life, that urgency and sincerity that they went with. You know, back in those days when the rabbis went to the temple, they... They, they didn't bring anything with them and that was symbolizing that they had nothing, no other business except serving the Lord. Imagine that if we could just even come to church and have no other business except serving the Lord on our mind. I mean, we come to church and we're so distracted by so many things of what we're doing afterwards and what we were doing before and sometimes we leave and we can't even get through church without doing that. I know I can't sometimes because we're, we're filled up with so many things that we bring with us wherever we go. 
How freeing was it for them just to not have anything and to live by faith? For some of us, we've lived that way once before, and I believe God is calling us to live that way once again in our lives. To leave our worldly concerns behind. To get back to a more simple faith. I know that's where I want to live. To depend on God. And I know we've heard this passage before, but can you imagine dusting off your feet when you're leaving? My daughter's going back to college now, so she's going to catch a plane. Can you imagine dusting off your feet as you're leaving a village because they didn't believe? Say, you know what? I don't even want the dust of your town on my shoes because you rejected Jesus. And by the way, he's coming anyways. I mean, that just seems so rude. That is so disrespectful. And yet that's exactly what Jesus said to do. I think so many of us that what's in our way is that we're holding all those negative memories with us. Of all those negative things that people said, did, people that turned away or whatever. And we just refuse to just shake the dust off our feet and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're following the Lord. And be set free. And that also was a warning for them to say, you know what? This is really serious. You're not just rejecting me. You're rejecting Jesus. And you're not just rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting the Father. And that was the message in every place that Jesus went. Anybody ever done that lately? Amen. We have one bold person that raised their hand. But that is the, the, the love and the level of conviction that they had to, as they served God together. You know, this, these days have been an interesting time. Oh, I got some pictures for serving here. Uh, Herman already talked about the uh, hope baskets, and there's a picture of the of a guy, Adam, who got baptized in the middle of uh, the Beirut church uh, this past week. As they're going through all that crisis, they're still preaching the word. They're still studying the Bible. Uh, his mom got uh, baptized earlier in this year, and it was a really big deal because they're both from a Muslim family. So uh, be praying for them and, uh, you know, just how God is working. I feel like they are mentoring us. By her spirit of, you know, God is doing everything for good and we're, you know, in the church, we're, we're loving God and we're at peace and I'm just like, really? I mean, we're panicked for you. And you're at peace. What's wrong with this picture? But I feel like they, in so many ways, have been a, a more of a blessing to us than we are to them. We help them financially and we pray for them, but I feel like, man, they've given us so much more because of their faith and because of their example, that we don't realize, you don't realize that your courage inspires others. Point number three leads me to point number three. Be an example. Be an example. It says in Luke 9, once when Jesus was praying in a private place, his disciples were with him and they asked, who do the crowd say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others One of the prophets that long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone who he was. 
that Jesus was an example of a national reformer like John the Baptist or Elijah. But he also was the kind of person that wanted each person to have their own faith. It didn't matter what everybody said about him. It mattered what, what do you say? Where's your faith at? You know, there was a freedom to ask questions, to be honest, and it was a safe place. As you can see, there were many times when the disciples didn't agree with Jesus, and they said a lot of crazy stuff. You know, I pray that in our relationships, that even in our mentoring relationship, that it's a safe place to ask questions, that we open ourselves up to be examined. Like, that would be pretty... You're on the spot with Jesus. He's saying, okay, Jake, who do you think I am? I don't care what everyone else thinks. What about you? You know, where are you at in your faith? How how strong are you spiritually? How have your prayer times been? I mean, he was open up to be with Jesus. Imagine with Jesus, you can't lie. My times with God have been amazing. He's like, really? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, like he... He was free, and there was a freedom there and an honesty. And I pray that uh, we have that kind of honesty. But as we continue reading in the same same passage, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed, and on the third day raised to life. Then he said to them, Oh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? That Jesus was an example of following God in this life, but he was also an example of sacrifice, an example of denying himself, And literally an example of carrying his cross. That it wasn't necessarily that Jesus tried to make it sound easy. But to follow him, they knew exactly how how to do that. They knew what they needed to do. You know, how does that sound? Okay, we're going to have this mentoring time. And uh, what I'm going to do, this is my plan. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get persecuted. And then I'm going to go to the cross, and then I'm going to leave you. And then guess what? That's the plan for you too. Isn't that great? That carrying the cross was literally that imagery of, you know, you carry your own cross and it's a one-way trip. And so Jesus was saying, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to end up that well for me on this life, but it's not going to end up that well for you either. But if you're faithful to the end, it'll be worth it. You know that, what are you going to take with you from this world? What is more valuable than walking with Christ in this world? What is going to, what are you going to be joyful for at the end of your life? Are you going to be bragging on your deathbed because of your bank account or because of your house or because of whatever else you have materially? Are you going to be thinking about what you were created for? Are you going to think about your father in heaven? And he called them to that. You know, sometimes to follow, we think that we have to have it all together. If I'm going to follow Jesus, that means I have to have it all together. No, that's like backwards. 
People that had it all together are the ones that didn't follow Jesus. People that didn't have it together, those are the ones that says, you know, I need some help. I want to follow Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want him to help me out. I don't have to have all the answers. You know, sometimes even in our mentoring that we feel like we have to have all the answers for other people. People come to us and we feel like, man, I have to have all these questions that I can answer just like by memory and I have to be an expert in finances and marriage and in parenting and in this and in that and in school and I can't help them because I, I, you know, I had a bad, I'm terrible in this area or whatever. You don't have to have all the answers to help each other. You just have to have the humility to say, you know what, I don't know. I'm not good at that. Why don't you ask someone else? You know, I, I'm good at this, but I'm really not good at that. Just to be able to know yourself and to be able to help others. I, one of the hardest things about this lesson for me was thinking and being able to say out loud, I can help someone. I want you to come to me because I can help you. Can you say that? God says that we're all competent to instruct each other. We're all not perfect, but we all have the scriptures and we all can help one another. But probably the hardest thing to think is that you can actually help someone. That your life will make a difference. That you may, it, it, and if you step back for a second, it's so much easier to help someone else sometimes than to help ourselves. (laughs) I mean, to help your marriage is no problem, but to help my own marriage sometimes it's like, wow. This is really a lot harder than it seems when I'm talking to you. You know, think about it with our kids. You know, we can help other people with their kids, but when we're in it with our own kids, it's not that easy, is it? You know, so even that, because we're not emotionally invested, we even have a leg up on our friends because we can help them. And I pray that you can believe that God can use you and you can make a difference. Sometimes you don't even realize the difference you have made. And the pe- maybe they don't even tell you the difference you've made until later. Kind of like with our, my parents are here, you th- like with our parents. Sometimes we go, oh, this is what my parents were going through. Wow, it's a lot harder than I thought to do this or that. But spiritually, it's the same thing. Sometimes we get down the road and we're like, oh my goodness, they had to put up with me doing this. Or wow, they had to go through this challenge. Or they went, that family went through that challenge. I, I wasn't aware of it now, but now I see how hard that was. You know, you inspire people and they don't always get it in the moment. That was with Jesus. They didn't get it till the very end. And even at the very end, they didn't hardly get it. I pray that you can have the conviction, I can help someone. And I hope that you can say that out loud. That you can walk up to anybody in the fellowship today and say, you know what, I can help you. Because you can. And with your convictions, with your faith, and what God has given you, you I've learned from every single person in this room. It doesn't matter where you're at. You have that power because of Jesus. You can take a picture of this. This was just an article that I found. I know a lot of times people want to go, how can I get deeper after this? It was a really great article. I can't really say it any better than he did there. But just to be able to take deep, take it deeper in our, in our mentoring and how we help one another. This has really been the foundation of our churches from the very beginning. I know we have our, one of the sisters here that started, was on the mission team to the LA church. 
What's your name? I forgot. Your husband? Robin Horton. She was one of the original sisters that uh, was on the L.A. Uh, team. And that was really what we have been founded on from the very beginning. We called it discipling relationships, but it's basically mentoring each other. You know, helping each other to grow and having that kind of conviction. And the more I went into this lesson, the more I realized, wow, we're not very good at it anymore. We're not as good as we maybe thought we are, think we are. You know, that spirit of learning and and growing and helping and having a plan for one another and praying for each other and walking with each other. Uh, I pray that we get this back. I think this is one of the key things for our church and for us uh, personally. For me personally, but for our church as well. So why don't we enter into these types of relationships? Why don't we open ourselves? Why don't we ask for help? Why don't we say, hey, I have an issue here. I want to get your thoughts on this. Why do you think? I came up with a few reasons. Because it doesn't take long to be disappointed. Maybe you had someone that you looked up to before and they let you down. Or they gave you some advice that wasn't that great and you followed it anyway and it didn't work out very good. I'm already on the next one. We'll get to that in a second. Understanding scriptures. Uh, sometimes when we see each other's weaknesses, we can lose trust for them also. Right. We start to see, well, this guy's not really good in this. I don't want to ask him for advice. He's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible in his finances. I don't want to get advice from him. Maybe he's not too good in other areas, too. I don't know about this guy. I'm just saying it. We've all thought that, right? Maybe you've had a mentor in the past that has gotten into serious sin. And maybe they've stopped following Jesus altogether. So you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I can't, you know, I can't trust people. Don't allow other people's sin keep you from God's plan for helping you. That's how he set it up. This is his plan. Imperfect people helping imperfect people. Sometimes we put too much faith in people and we forget that our our faith is in God. Right. Our faith is in the, the, the only true authority is in, in Jesus and in the Bible and in his word. And so many times we're giving each other advice on things that are outside of that. And that's good to keep in mind that Unless, if it doesn't say it directly in scripture and someone's giving me advice, I want to listen, I want to learn, but ultimately it's my decision what I'm going to do. And if it goes great, amen. If it doesn't go great, I can't go blaming the other person. We talked about that a few times in this series. But to take responsibility for things in opinion matters. But we have so much to learn from each other. We're closing out here. Understanding the scriptures. Point number four, understand the scriptures. And really, our relationships are based on the Word of God. Amen. That's what gives us power in our mentoring. That's what makes us different than just any mentoring in any organization out there. It's the power of the Scriptures. He, this is Jesus. He says, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That 
To mentor like Jesus means to mentor around the word of God. That there's so many times that he was talking about the word of God and he was so misunderstood by his disciples. But here was one of those moments when he says he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Imagine that time. Imagine being there where you finally understand everything that was written about Jesus in the in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. You finally get it. You know, sometimes we don't learn, we don't know how much we learn until later on. And here Jesus opens up their minds. They finally get it. They finally are understanding the word of God because they stuck with Jesus. Now they're understanding. The more we follow Jesus and are helped by one another, the more scriptures we understand. You know, it all becomes clear as we go along. I just had a slide for you to take a picture of here. These are just a few verses that have to do with mentoring in the Bible. You know, because this is really the center of what we want to do as a church is to be built around the Word of God. Everybody get that? All right. We'll call Peggy the standard of how long it takes to get a picture. Okay. Okay. Let's decide today that we want to, that we're going to live life together. That I'm going to let people into my life and I'm going to put myself out there into others. Let's serve together. Let's not just have our mentoring be only talking times in a coffee shop. Let's be about God's purpose together because that is really where he's trying to get us to be. Not that we don't need to share our hearts together. Let's be an example and know that your life matters, that people follow your example, that they see your faith in action. And let's focus our mentoring around the scriptures that that really is the ultimate goal, is to know God more and ultimately to be in heaven with him. As we close out, we're going to take communion together. And I found a verse that I hadn't ever seen before in this way, which is pretty cool when you come across something new in the Bible. To be blessed by Jesus. And I pray that as we take communion today that you feel like you are blessed by Christ. It says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And Jesus had just told them earlier that as you live with me in the vine, that you're going to have great joy. That I'm going to, I'm going to go away, but then I'm going to come back to you and no one will take away your joy. That's what he's talking about. But can you imagine Jesus as he's going up to heaven and he says that he is blessing them as he is lifting up? I never thought about that before, but he wanted to encourage them so much. I don't even know what the blessing had to do with. You know, may you be filled with faith. May you be in heaven with me someday. May God take care of you. May your family be taken care of. May you be lifted up and protected and loved and encouraged and all these things. And he just had so much blessing that as he was going up, he said, and another thing, you know, I love you. And just as he was going up, just one after the next, that that was his heart, that that's Jesus' heart for each of us, 
even as we focus on him for communion today, that he has so many blessings for you that he can't even say enough of them. You know, that that's the last thing that they heard as he was going up to heaven was, wow, Jesus blessing me as he went up to heaven. You know, ultimately, he is carrying the ultimate blessing up in heaven for us. And I pray that today, that as we entrust ourselves to him and to one another, that we can help each other to get there. And that today, as you take communion, that you are filled with great joy and you worship him because of the blessings that he's given to you. Let's pray and we'll take communion together. Father, we do thank you that your, you, your love for us is more than we can even fathom. I don't know why you decided to choose us. I don't know why you decided to lay down your life for us, God, but I know that you love us more than we can even fathom. Even so much that you just, you even define what love is. God, I pray as we take the, the, the emblems today, the bread that represents your body and the juice that represents your blood, that we can uh, focus on you, that we can do this in a worthy manner and examine ourselves, that we can know that you want to bless our lives incredibly. God, uh, bless us and thank you for this time to worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.